Hey Alex, how you doing, man? Good. How about you, Javier? Very good. Give me one sec. Yeah. All, right. All right. How's everything? Good. Uh, how's your day going? Good. Chilling. Not much yeah. regarding our area. Is it warm where you are? Uh, kind of. We we can say it's like around sixty-five. Okay. Well, it is twenty degrees here, so. Sounds a lot better that sounds a lot better there than it is here. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, Javier, I uh, I was going through your LinkedIn profile and I noticed that you are the senior coordinator for the Latino Club Marketing, correct? Yes, that's correct. I have no idea what the Latino Club is for the MLB. Can you explain that? Can you explain what that is for me? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we work with. Uh... So I'm, let's say I'm the middleman between the league and the clubs okay. regarding working with Latino market, especially in their brand. Um, we work many, our main focus is working in social media. So we work all the clubs accounts in Spanish. Or let's say all 30 clubs has their own Twitter and Facebook. Mm -hmm. So we help them, you know, to cover that area. Okay. Um, yeah, so we, we do game days, um, anything content related with that. Also, we're helping teams, on especially promoting themselves during Hispanic Marketing Month or anything that we can see in their, um, in their fan base that we can attract those Latinos to come to the stadium and follow their teams. Okay, um, so are these like, different leagues that are in uh like uh uh different countries in like southern america or central america yeah so main, mainly our let's say our fan base is more in mexico okay. dominican republic Cuba, venezuela uh, puerto rico you have a lot of people maybe colombia panama there's so more marketing emergence in that part okay gotcha so um, I, you told me kind of like what you guys do. What is your exact role within all of that? So I lead the club um, account. So um, I always in conversation with clubs uh, regarding their, let's say your, their accounts in Spanish. We work with them by side by side, by side, like how we can target the marketing um, to our fan base, Latino fan base or Spanish speaker fan base. Um, so, that's my, my main job, basically, is be day by day working on that operation as well. I help other stuff in, in the league or regarding, let's say, our main account in Spanish, Escolas Mayores, or, or even countries accounts that we have um, four, four or five country accounts called MLB Venezuela, Cuba, Puerto Rico, Venezuela. And those accounts are specific to those players that are from there. And we, uh, we show them, you know, we, we highlight them um, and we create content regarding them, especially 
um, it's a big asset for all of us regarding in this part yeah. because um, as you know, there's a almost 30, 34, 35% of their players um, that we have in MLB are Latino. So it is a big, big market. Um, how big is your uh, department or how many people do you work with? I work a lot. I think we have 22 so okay. far. Um, we're, we are in the, in the process of, um, um, we're doing under a process of like changing a couple of stuff that we have. We're probably might, might be expanding, just depending. Do you guys have like internships with, uh, within your program? Not, well, yes. Well, last year we started doing so. Uh, we have one intern that was working with us regarding some video content, very good. Um, helping like, you know, getting that IG reels, getting those, um, any other videos that we have for different events um, that helps a lot, like getting that, getting that content. So basically um, we have, and now, especially I think this year, they won't gonna start again. I think that's cool, what I heard. Okay. Uh, so if you don't, um, if you don't mind me asking, what is the, you know, end goal, like, or what is your main goal with the uh, Latino club? What do you guys <sighs> want to accomplish? We want to accomplish that. Um, I think that the best way is we, we can see it as a global brand. Okay. Um, we want you to have, we want those accounts, those clubs to feel that their brand is not only um, United States, they're also, you know, global. Um, I know um, they look at it maybe that's uh, how you, the ticket revenue interacts with them. However, but this fan base there outside the United States is crucial because your brand is expanding and creating more followers and more fans too. So um, for example, uh, you go with the Blue Jays, their fan base is Canada. But when you go, let's say more international way, majority of the persons that follow those accounts are the from Dominican Republic. And why is that? Because they have guys like Vladimir Guerrero, that is a very huge, huge Latin mm -hmm. star, creates that, that narrative of being able to work, to follow that account and follow their player. That's what many of the Latino and the Hispanic countries, uh, the Latino countries that we, that we work with, that we see so far is like, those fan base follow their players that are from their country. And right. when you start seeing that, you, you see that growing so far in those accounts. So I know, that, you know, you're part of the Latino club marketing. Is there like an Asian club marketing for like countries like Japan and uh, South Korea? We have, uh, it's called, uh, but we don't, we don't work uh, as like, let's say Latino club marketing. Yeah. And we have, uh, it's a partnership that we have and, and we have MLB Japan and MLB Korea as okay. well. Yeah. I think MLB Taiwan thing. I think we have it. Oh, okay. Um, I didn't know there was well, Taiwanese players. Um, there's a couple of them. Um, okay. I think they play with the Cleveland Guardians. So right now, gotcha. um, but I think the main main ones has to be in MLB Japan because obviously with Shohei Otani and the couple yeah. that the, of the Japanese players that are playing in the league, and then you got Korea with Jiman Choi and other players that works that plays there as well. So uh, it helps uh, you know getting that 
that attention to it. Gotcha. So do you uh, any do you do any like marketing like campaigns with players themselves? Like do you are you in contact with players? Or are you only in contact with the league and the clubs? Um, both. We work okay. both. But basically, um, obviously, with the CBA, we cannot do anything right now because we right we, we are in negotiations. But when we when we are let's say working during the season, yeah, we work on a couple of projects with them, helping them to to produce that exposure to those to those players and and generate that baseball is fun and. You can watch these players and, and generate that, that new fan base that follow those uh, kind of players. And thank you for reminding about the CVA deal. How has that affected you? Well, um, couple of it because the work wise is very slow. Mm-hmm. But at the end, just waiting, just waiting. Yeah. Um, we'll see how it goes. Definitely. I cannot comment more about it because I don't know much. But, you know, rules over here, the MLB, we, we cannot talk about it much. So we don't know yet. All good. I'm sure. I mean, it'll eventually figure itself out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. At the end of the day, it, you know, there's, there's too much money being lost. <laughs> yeah. So um, I also saw that on your uh, LinkedIn that you uh, worked with the Diamondbacks as yes. a Hispanic market intern. Is that kind yes. of the same thing what you do? Similar, um, okay. instead of like me working, let's say all the clubs, this uh, I'm working especially with one club. Okay. So when I was there, so I live here in Phoenix, Arizona. So you see almost 40% of the population here are Latinos, so second generation Latinos. So it's a huge population of Latinos here. So the market is big. And in that time that I was working with them, I was helping them you know, generate con- special content for their lost Divas accounts. I uh, was helping them uh, reach out to the community. Um, I was helping them create more exposure to the Latino culture. So in order to create that, that narrative of having right. more people to come to the stadium and follow those accounts and follow those the, the team, basically. Um, it was very good. I think we did a great campaign of that year of like, any new stuff like jerseys. And I remember that time we have new jerseys. Uh, we have a, that time in Chase Field, we had like a section of like big cultural Latino marketing section. And then we have, uh, uh, you know, those uh, spin of the wheel things. Yeah. So we had a wheel like that. And, mm-hmm. and that spot have like very good uh, Mexican cuisines or any other Latino cuisine that we have there. So we were population very good. And, and we reached out a lot of the, with the, for the community. Okay. Um, I've actually heard a lot of good things about the uh, Diamondbacks organization. Did you enjoy your, I mean, did you enjoy your time there as far yeah, as like yeah. um, organizational cu- culture goes? Yeah, definitely. I think the culture and, and everything, uh, I love it. Uh, they they were they are a great organization. I always recommend everybody if they want to do an internship, if they have the opportunity to come, if they want to work in a club, that's one of the top clubs to go to. Um, you you're you're learning a lot, and, and you learn from from the ones that are that, that are working on the, those internships. You learn a lot of like the community wise, like sales and marketing, and 
Um, and the group that I was working with there in marketing was huge, awesome. Okay. One, of the, one of the best teams that I worked with. So what are some of the uh, skills that you learned from that internship that you apply to your current job now? Yeah, well, I started doing social media at that time. Yeah. I never done, I mean, you know, everybody has, let's say, 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2016 was I was there. Um, in a time, social media is getting bigger, you know, right. um, and that's why I introduced myself when working in social media because I only have my personal social media. Working as a team mm-hmm. is another level because you have to be more professionalized, have to do more thinking of the strategy you want to do in order to attack that accounts, those, those fan followers and see the improvement on the account. Um, and that's one of the things that I work with. Also, having the opportunity to work with a professional team in the United States, and especially in a league like Major League Baseball, that's a huge access to because it gives you knowledge of how it's important to work in that area. Um, learn about everything, let's say, from, from website, from community programs that you have there, help them like how to reach out to everybody, work with players. Sometimes I had to be translator or do help I get some players to to do some content that we want to do. So so that's one of the things that I learned a lot. It's just fun times and, and and you learn from different departments like finance and how we do it here in finance, how we do in sponsorship. Sponsorship is a, a, a huge, huge revenue entry. Right. Especially when you do a partnership that you think, oh, this partnership can relate with the, our community. We can manage something that we can attract those fans that follow that brand and also can follow us. And you go from there. So that's a, yeah, that's a, a couple of stuff that, that you learn a lot. Okay. So um, you've been baseball for a little bit now, right? Yes. What kind of got you into baseball? Um, I think the opportunity that I had to so, do so, um, when I was doing the, my master's in Sony Cortland, mm-hmm. just a little background before that, I was working events back in Puerto Rico. Uh, I was doing like basketball events with FIBA America and mm-hmm. ESPN in that time, that time. Um, so when I got to my master's at Sony Cortland, um, in looking for opportunities, um, it was a tough one for me because I applied for everybody in the, in the States. I didn't hear any, any response back. I was like, decline, decline, decline every time. I was rejected. Hmm. But uh, one club in Australia, a baseball team over there, it's called Per Heath. Uh, they gave me the opportunity to, to do my internship and start learning their um, experience in learning how to work in the winter league and minor yeah, as a minor league system. Mm. I said, I'll take it. I need to graduate. Who knows if it yeah. this opened me the doors to other stuff. And I took the risk about it and let's go for it. So I went right. there and, and and I learned a lot of how you work in the minor league system, especially in Australia when baseball is not the first right you know sports in the in in, in the country. Um and then I heard there's opportunity to go back home, back in Puerto Rico, work with a baseball team over there. And then start opening the doors to where I'm at. Uh, I think baseball has been the, the sport that I really, that have opened me the doors in many ways. Um, that's why what I'm sticking with it. 
um, and never play baseball. Mm. It is funny. I oh, I love to watch it. Yeah. I love and I grew up watching it. And I grew up being part of my. I used to go to the professional games um, in the professional league back in Puerto Rico uh, in my hometown team. That is not 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 anymore there, but when you still have it, I always go there. And for some reason, like circles in life, they open me this opportunity and right. go from there. Yeah. So kind of uh, unrelated to sports, uh, you talked about going from Puerto Rico to Australia. What was that like? That had to be in a co- totally different culture to learn from. How was that like? Yeah, definitely. It was a, a change, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, me from a small island, small island boy to go to um, Australia, to yeah. another part of the world, and known nobody, not knowing anybody over there. Um, mm-hmm. But it was great. Uh, I mean, I learned a lot how they work wise and how they see the sports wise. And it is another industry that is very growing in, in, in Australia. Sports industry is growing there, especially when you see like um, their accounts, you see like their partnerships and all that stuff. In that time when I went there, it, it, it was small sets, but they were getting better than now. Um, and going there and learning how they work and how they're everything. And, and I felt welcome. I felt welcome. They, they gave me a lot of open doors there. And I learned a lot from their side. Okay. So that's, that's one of the things that I always cherish about because um, I took the risk to go to another country that I didn't know. Um, and opening me the doors to do so and in, in, in work there. Um, it's, it's a great experience. And then, and then when, when you see that in the resume, people kind of keep an eye on it. I was like, huh, this guy went to Australia. Why he went to Australia? Right. Let me ask. And when I came back from Australia, I started applying for jobs in the United States. Many people were started calling me back and say, what do you do in Australia? Why you went there? Mm-hmm. And I explained them and say, well, I learned this. I, I work in merchandise for them in a while. Working in, in that club that I work with, I used to work with, they, they needed somebody to work merchandise. I was like, I, take, I took the challenge. Let's do it. And I did marketing and merchandise with them. We ended up doubling the earnings from the last year that, wow. that they had the revenue. Me more people don't say, no, but merchandise is a good revenue for your club. And people don't see that, but you, you need to see it. It is something that helps you a lot. And, and they, they inspect the amount of money that we make for, they inspect that. I think when they see us, they say, holy man, mm-hmm. if they did this amount of money, that's a huge boost for us. So you go from there. Cool. That, that's awesome that you had a, that you got to double their uh, merchandise sales. Yeah, definitely. I think they made 13,000 a year before that I went there. And, when I went there and started working in those um, their merchandise like hoodies and making deals with people and start selling like their jerseys or t-shirts and caps and all that stuff. And they run, they were we rounded up like forty two thousand. Holy cow! Yep. So uh, I do kind of want to go back to your uh, experience in college. You said yeah. you worked with ESPN and FIBA. Yeah. Correct? 
let's start with ESPN. How did that, how was that? So um, one of my mentors, uh, Marilia Huarbe, uh, she was a friend of my family and she knows me as I was in my mom's womb. So I was a baby. Mm-hmm. And I explained her that I really want to work in sports, something that I, but I really don't know where to work with, how to start with. Mm-hmm. And then she said, well, come with me. You're under my wing and I'll show you. And she told me, um, how's your English? And I like, well, it's getting there. It's better. Um, you know, working this and when, somewhere have you, how's your responsibilities and all stuff. And we start talking and say, like, all right. So in FIBA and ESPN, uh, she has to be team host. So you have to be that middleman guy that um, help the coaches if anything that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, or their their you know their equipment manager or anything like that they needed, and always in communication with us regarding practice or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have to do translations, but do so. I learn about it, practice, and I was like, all right, sure, I'll take it. No problem. So my first year was at Vanderbilt University. Yeah. Um, that year was awesome. I think. If I'm not mistaken, the next year they even went to this, they won the C the SEC. And that basketball team was very good. One of them was uh, he, what was his name? Uh Fito Cecili. He used to he was a center for the Golden State Warriors when they won their award, the their NBA championship back in the years. Okay. Um it was a very good, good competitive team, very good program. And when I ended up like helping them like translations or uh, helping them like uh, coordinate practice courts or anything that they needed. So I was helping them in that direct between that middleman and the tournament. Um, I ended up getting, I don't know where is it, but I have a banner oh. with signed with all the players. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it was very, very fun about it. And then the next year I got Wichita State. Okay. And the next year after Wichita State went there, they ended up going to the Final Four. Um, okay. In the same stuff, I was yeah, I was more prepared in that time because I knew already the system and how we can work this. And I was a leader for many of the volunteers there. Then they knew a little bit more of the system. And I ended up helping them like translations, coordinating court practice and transportation. I was always on top of transportation because that was one of the key things to move all the club you know, okay. all the all the cup, all the, all the team's members there. Um, and that opened me the door to work in FIBA America. And I was doing, we did Centro Basket. That's the regional tournament over there. Uh, I was more in Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela, I think. Um, uh, Dominican Republic. No, no, Venezuela wasn't there. So it was Mexico, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. U.S. Virgin Islands, um, Bahamas, so those Caribbeans and Central America uh, teams. I ended up working with Dominican Republic, mm. best experience because it was a new team, international guys now instead yeah. of college guys. And you see like international guys, like uh, there's one guy, Carl um, uh, Anthony Towns was in that team. Okay. But he was like 16 and he was balling <laughs> against everybody there. Wait, he was a six. 
so you saw Carmelo Anthony. Wait, sorry. No, no, Carl Car- Anthony yeah, Jr. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carl Anthony Towns, the the yeah. the Minnesota um, Timberwolves yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. I I just think I said the other wrong name, but anyways, you you got to see him when he was like 16, 16, 17. He yeah. was balling. He was huge, and now he's more huge. But he then that yeah. time, that sixteen year old guy is so. It was in I knew um, international guys that, that were playing there that they used to play in the professional league or they were playing the professional league in Puerto Rico, so I already knew who they were and and working that in that part that was awesome and the team coach was amazing it was Cali uh, Parry um, the mm-hmm. UK um, team uh, University of Kentucky like John Cali um Dale Harris the Lynchet a legendary coach was their assistant coach. Rock Strickland was there helping there. Uh, Orlando D was over their staff was legit. Okay. So I ended up like helping them in that direction. I was the leader of the group and and then for the international events and that's helping me more, more more opportunities to to see what I really wanted to do. So so that that was with FIBA, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, was there like anything like anything else with like FIBA or ESPN? I do some. I did some later. Um, okay. I did some. That one more like um, helping them like more in, in the event wise, more organization kind of thing. It was a Tuto Marchand tournament, pre tournament. It's a it's a um, small tournament that plays different uh, countries before the main one. Um, that one that I did much going to the stadium. I was more in the hotel business, business helping like coordination and transportation, all that stuff, or anything that they really needed. So I was helping them. So in that regards, they were um, which teams were there? Obviously Puerto Rico. And then Canada, so I saw Steve Nash working with the Canada team. Mm-hmm. Um, Argentina was there as well, so I saw a couple of the Argentinian uh, players that used to play in the NBA that was there as well. So, yeah, that's working in that part, like instead of like being day by day, like on top, like practices and last stuff, I was working more. In the back of the house, like seeing everything is running wise and there's no problem and helping when they need it. Okay. So um all that is awesome that you get to work with, you know, all the uh basketball teams and you know, just work with all all these major athletes as well. So my question is, do you have any like mentors or people that you think would be good to reach out to? That got you to that position? Yeah. I mean, in my in my experience, well, I had two two mentors. One of them is Marilia that opened the doors. The other one was Robert Rodriguez. Uh, he was the GM, assistant GM for the uh, Kawas uh, team in Puerto Rico Winter League. That's okay. I learned a lot of stuff with him of ideas or how to produce events like that so um in there at this day i always write them once in a while and see how they're doing and we we spoke and we talk and, and 
and you're finding guidelines, I always go to them. Um, but definitely mentors, if you see it not only in your professional world, but like I say, your professors as well, there's, they're always going to help you, even though you might not think about it, but yeah, they always, they always um, help. In, in my time in Sony Cornell, they always were, were there for me. Anything I needed, any, if I have any questions or any answers, so I always go to them, hey, by the way, this is happening to me, and can we can work in that direction? Our sport management uh, uh, professor at Amstel is very great. She's always a great person to reach out to her. Uh, her name is Karen Valeska. She's yeah. amazing. So, but, yeah, so definitely yeah. those. Yeah. So uh, my last question for you is, what is the best tip you can give to get into the sports industry? Um, I think, obviously, the industry, I would let, just let I always tell my students and everybody, this thing is tough to enter. But once you enter, you keep working hard. Mm -hmm. You always have to work hard. You always have to be um, working double hard like everybody else to, to show your skills. Um, don't be shy what you, um, or anything, doubts that you have or concerns, you always speak out because who knows who can help you with and, and and give you more guidance. And, and lastly, don't give up on your dreams. I know sometimes many people get frustrated because they're entering in one area they really don't want to do so. And during the time they were like, you know what? Forget about it, I'm not going with it. So you have to go with, go with the area that you love the most, that you think you can do the most, or similar area that you think, hey, if I go from here, that are learning about this and then move, start moving to another direction. Um, you go from there. So um, be open mm. to anything, not only one sport, every single sport. Um, who knows? Maybe you work in one sport and then you start jumping to another right. sport and you end up going where you want to go. And, and the importance is like connections with it. Every time that you go start have a very good relationship because people will talk about you. Mm. Once one example that I have is I uh, my dad came from Puerto Rico to visit me. Um and I showed him the Chase Field. Hey dad, this is Chase Field, blah blah blah. Um and then he knew once who was my manager, my former manager in that part. And some one of their sponsorship guys went to him and say, Hey, you're dad, how how you're standing? Yeah, yeah. And I see meeting you and say, You have an amazing kid. So mm -hmm. something that you don't see it now, but later will speak widely good about you. So build up those relationships, mm -hmm. do amazing work, keep asking anything like that, and don't give up. So that's well, the, the most pillar thing, the whole thing. So build your relationships, keep working hard. Don't say no to anything like that. You feel like it's comfortable when you speak it up, but um, areas of opportunities will reappear. So you have to take them and go from there. Javier, thank you for that. That, that was, uh, that was all, all great tips, man. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I always, I always have love to see um, no new coming to students that are mm -hmm. similar in my position when I started. Um, 
and grow from there. I know if you if you think about it, I'm maybe first generation or second generation that of that are working in social sports in social media. Mm -hmm. So we we started, there were not many stuff that we have now. Yeah. True. If you think about it, we only have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram was starting to work in that direction. Yeah. And then we add Snapchat and now we add TikTok and now we adding NFT and Metaverse. Right. And so it is a lot of stuff that is coming up in future reality. Right. Um so those those things never never happened in my years. Now it's open. So you see, your generation, the coming generation, they already know. Oh, I know this and this and this and this. Um. So I love to, to I love to like show them. Hey, this is how we did it. This is how we you should might be going through and and work from there. And it's it's awesome to see them like encourage about it. All right. Well, uh, Javier, uh, thank you for meeting with me today. It honestly means a lot. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank, thank you for your time as well. And love to talk about it. And yeah. anything that you guys need, always you you can reach out cool. to me. I will definitely be reaching out again. Javier, uh, you have a great day and uh, see ya. See you. Thank you. Yep. Hey everyone, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that uh, interview that I had with Javier. Um, so quick backstory to how we met. Um, well, that was the first time actually meeting in person or meeting at all. Um, but anyways, I found out about him through a sports panel and uh, I actually uh, attended the last 10 minutes of it. Uh, fortunately, I couldn't make most of it. Something came up, but anyways, uh, I took a, a screenshot or a picture of uh, everyone that was part of the sports panel and Javier was one of them. So I reached out to him and we set up this meeting and it went really well. So um, at the beginning, I realized uh, after it was over, I realized that I was asking uh, bad questions about the uh, kind of like uh, what uh, what clubs he was doing that for. At first, I thought it made he made it sound like, or at least to me, it made it sound like he was doing it for uh, 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 clubs in Latin America, and um, I I don't know why I that's what it sounded like to me, but it was really for uh MLB teams to promote to Latin America, not to Latin America clubs specifically, but to all of Latin America. I don't know why that didn't like connect with me, and I also thought later on. I asked if there were like uh same things for like Asia and I think I said um Asian like an Asian uh uh uh, uh club marketing team and I I I didn't I also didn't realize there was like other like specific ones for like Puerto Rico and Mexico and he later explained like there's also ones for like Japan and South Korea as well so a lot of good things uh, I found out about that. So, uh, you know, another 
I think the most interesting thing about that conversation was him talking about uh, him growing up in Puerto Rico and then moving to Australia. And you know what? He took an opportunity that was given to him and he just went with it. And I think that's great. Um, so yeah, great conversation I had with him. I, he's a great person to reach out to. He has a lot of information. Uh, I think he even mentioned that he likes talking to other people as well. I think he referred to uh, people like me as like his students, uh, something like that. But yeah, um, great conversation. I want to reach out to him again and have him on. But yeah, uh, thank you guys for watching. And if you guys have any suggestions about like, you know, one to like who to reach out to and two, you know, how... I could do the podcast differently. Please leave a comment, uh, message me, say something to me, find a way. There's, there's ways to reach out to me. Um, but yeah, thank you guys and see ya.